That is why you traded for DJ Moore to get a number one wide receiver who can single-handedly take over a game and will your team to its first victory in almost a calendar year. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use our promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we recap the Chicago Bears' 40-20 victory over the Washington Commanders, the first win of the season on Thursday Night Football. We'll start with a huge game from DJ Moore and, of course, Justin Fields on the passing end of that game and what that means for this offense, maybe turning a corner with back-to-back weeks of really high-quality performance. We also need to talk about this Bears defense. You know, not a Hall of Fame-level performance by any means, but some real progress defensively, getting some pressure on Sam Howell, generating some turnovers in this game as well, doing pretty well against the run for sure, and what that means for this defense. And I think we should wrap up with a look at the injuries because they keep getting really concentrated at the same positions. And we saw the Bears do all sorts of substitutions on both sides of the ball to try and keep up with players going down. But the story of this game was all about DJ Moore. Eight catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns. The greatest single-game performance by a Chicago Bears wide receiver in a victory in franchise, or, or since since the 1960s, in the, in the last, you know, what is that, 80 years? Alshon Jeffrey had a single a singular individually better performance in losses. You know, 249 yards, I think, was the record. But, of course, in typical Chicago Bears fashion, they didn't even win that game when they had a record-setting performance from one of their wide receivers. But DJ Moore took over this game, right? And it was a combination of a few different things. Yes, some of it is really great throws from Justin Fields. He made some dimes. I mean, particularly that last throw, the last touchdown that DJ Moore took off with, like it was just less than an inch away from Kendall Fuller's fingertips. But Fields threw it high enough and away from the corner so that Moore could go up and get it, but the cornerback couldn't reach it. And of course, DJ Moore makes a lot of the magic happen from there. There's also... A factor here of the Washington Commanders defense not being all that good, but also Justin Fields being able to take advantage of a not so good Washington Commanders defense. You know, the the one where Moore is open in the corner of the end zone, Fields looks off the safeties with his eyes and then comes back and hits him in the corner. Like, yes, he was pretty wide open, but it also takes the quarterback manipulating the defense in that way and also the defense being in the right spot for the right coverage for the Bears to take advantage of that spot. So, I mean, then plus then, too, the offensive line also needed to give fields the kind of time to be able to hit DJ Moore on some of these plays. And then on top of all that, DJ Moore individually makes some 
Herculean efforts after the catch to be a playmaker with the ball in his hands. Even, you know, called like he stepped out of bounds, even though it wasn't very conclusive to me on the replay whether DJ Moore actually stepped out of bounds on that play down the you know the right sideline. Maybe he could have set the record of the Bears' individual record had he had the referees ruled that he had stayed in bounds on that play. He might have gotten the 20 yards he would have needed to set the record and maybe would have scored again on that play to give him four touchdowns as well. But, I mean, regardless, this was a, a great performance by DJ Moore. And I think what stands out to me about it, too, is how like it was pretty much just DJ Moore. Like the funny thing about this game, DJ Moore was the only Chicago Bears wide receiver who caught a pass in this game. Justin Fields completed seven other passes. They were all to Cole Clement and Robert Tanyan. Darnell Mooney had four targets, zero catches. Equinemius St. Brown, one target, zero catches. And that was it for Chicago Bears wide receivers. That's why you traded for DJ Moore. Like I've heard people say this offseason, well, you know, DJ Moore, he's a very good receiver. But he's not A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts, right? He's not Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen. And while he certainly wasn't through the first couple of weeks of the season, you can see what happens when he's prioritized in the game plan, when he is early in the progressions for Justin Fields, when he runs the routes in route concepts that are primary against certain coverages. You know, as compared to earlier in the season where He's the one who's running the decoy route, the vertical clear out to create space underneath him because he attracts some of that attention. Or he's the one running the rub route to sort of be the pick player to free up another wide receiver on the play. You know, when you're intentional about really getting DJ more involved, and then you also have the offensive line giving the quarterback time to get the ball to DJ, to DJ Moore and a quarterback confident and decisive in firing the ball to DJ Moore. That's what sets him up to then also make those individually great plays after the catch. And that's what gets you excited about the Bears being able to sustain a lot of this is because they've done it in back-to-back weeks. And it's a combination of more being great, but also everyone else doing better too. Like we're seeing improvement across the board here, right? It's not just like, okay, DJ Moore has one surprise game where all of a sudden he just makes 15 guys miss tackles, but he's not going to do that every week. Like it was like a normal amount of missed tackles and plays after the catch from DJ Moore. And that that was great, but it was also, you know, good throws from fields and good protection from the offensive line. Like it it was, it was really like everybody coming together to play in one offense. And it was, wasn't like a surprise to the commanders that DJ Moore was going to keep getting the ball, right? Bears offense was running through him all game and they still had no answers from him, right? It wasn't like, oh, they were gashing you with Mooney and they were gashing you with command and they were gashing you here and there. And like, how could they possibly keep up with, with, with more? It was like, no, the Bears just kept going to him and the commanders could never find an answer for it. And that's where you really feel like that connection between quarterback and wide receiver has reached that like emulsification point here, right? Where everything is sort of blended and connected and on the same page to where that chemistry should be continue from here. It's not like all of a sudden next week you would expect them to have miscommunication all of a sudden because it's, it feels like now now they get it, right? Now they've done it. Now it's locked in. And DJ Moore already has more receiving yards this season than any Bears receiver had all of last season. That's why you trade for him. And that's why uh, for all the criticism Ryan Poles deserves for the Chase Claypool trade and some other moves on this roster, he deserves a lot of credit for going and getting DJ Moore, especially as we see reports that the Panthers trying to find a number one wide receiver via trade. You just had one, and he went for 230 yards in a Chicago Bears victory. I also think we need to make sure 
We don't let the DJ Moore, Justin Fields performance completely overlook what was, I think, real improvement from the Chicago Bears defense. Still, still more room for improvement, but progress in a way that felt like uh, encouraging, at least from the coaching staff, in, in spite of all the injuries, which I also want to get to next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the makers of some of the most comfortable shorts I've ever worn. They are super comfy because what they they have is built-in liners within them that give you comfort but also support in some of your most delicate areas. It's like a nice, stretchy, soft material, so it's not like tight and restricting, you know, right up in your, you know, private parts. <laughs> but they're but it's also like gives you the kind of support you want, the kind of comfort you want. So nothing's like everything, not everything like moving around in there, but it's also not like being squeezed in there either. Plus they cut, they make a, a cool stretch khaki short that give you like that formal kind of sculpted look with a slimmer th- fit through the thighs that aren't like too casual looking either. They really have a great variety of products. You got to try them out for yourself. They're super, super comfortable. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter in our promo code locked on NFL at checkout and you're going to get a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. The Chicago Bears offense is definitely the story of this game and I don't want to over inflate what this Chicago Bears defense did, because they did give up a lot of passing yards, and, and 20 points is not as, is more than you would like to give up. But it still felt like some real progress because they were able to disrupt Sam Howell a bit more than we had seen in previous games, and they were also able to generate turnovers more than we've seen in previous games. And that's kind of like the two big things for defense, right? I mean, that's... There, there, there's obviously like tackling and I mean, there's other aspects of defense, but if you can generate a decent pressure and win the turnover battle or generate turnovers, at least defensively, you're going to have a pretty good day for your defense. And the Bears were able to do just that. I'm curious to see what the actual pressure rates turn out to be, because certainly at times Sam Howell had some time to throw. They also went to more of a quick passing game after a while there to try and get things going for them up front. But I think from a Matt Eberflus defensive play calling perspective, it had been disappointing up to this point to win, it felt like they were generally uncreative. I mean, they were stunting guys and occasionally bringing a blitzer here or there and maybe dropping a defensive lineman in coverage, but it felt very, you know, like basic blitzing. But in this game, again, anecdotally, having just watched it live, but we don't have data or, or the film just yet, they were trying a number of different things, and it felt like they were blitzing at a much higher pace. And we saw, as a result, five sacks in this game. Rasheem Green, Unique Ngakwe, Marcus Walker, Greg Stroman, and TJ Edwards all got sacks on the quarterbacks. Plus, they got quarterback hits from guys like Javon Dexter, Justin Jones, uh, a variety of guys across this roster. And it felt like the semblance or the beginnings of something that might start to look like maybe a pass rush, which has just not been existent at this point in the season. And the Bears were bringing six guys. You know, they'd bring a safety and a linebacker, but maybe drop a defensive lineman. Like they were doing a lot of different things to show different looks with the defensive line and the linebackers up front, bring blitzers from different directions. Guys were getting home. We saw, I don't think it was, no, it was Strowman who came through on an unblocked blitz on the edge. And it's felt like this season, the Bears blitzes have been, I don't want to say always too predictable, but 
just not scheming up wide open pass rushers. Like, you know, you can, if you bring blitzers from the right spots to challenge an offensive lineman, an offensive line's protection calls, you know, they're sliding this way because pre-snap you're showing a bunch of guys in that line of scrimmage, that side of the line of scrimmage, but then you blitz from the backside so there's not enough guys on the backside to pick up everybody to, to sort of X's and O's draw your way to an unblocked blitzer, right? It, it's felt like even when the Bears have blitzed, they haven't blitzed in that sort of like smart way. Like if you ever play Madden, it's this idea of a, a nano blitz, right? Where you're not even necessarily blitzing more guys than they have blockers, but just based on where they're sending guys to block, you're you're getting a wide open blitzer because they can't exchange blocks and communicate to get guys to where they need to go to block that guy. And for them to get Stroman to run free on one of those, and certainly some of the other blitzes were very effective there, that was some real progress there. You're never going to see Matt Eberflus become Wink Martindale, heavy blitzing all the time type of defense like we saw Todd Bowles do in the Tampa Bay game. And certainly you know, before that early in the season, like teams have tried to get after Justin Fields in terms of the blitz there, Spagnuolo as well. Bears are never going to be all out blitz defense. But when the pass rush hasn't been working, they still haven't been blitzing all that much. But with Sam Howell, it was effective against a younger quarterback Got him uncomfortable. He wasn't as clean in the pocket. And the Bears even missed a few sacks on Sam Howell as well. I think I need to look up the stat, but I imagine the Bears have to be, if not in the lead, near first place in missed sacks on the quarterback. Like they just, some of these, some of these guys, they're getting home, but they're not finishing. And it would really make this defense look a lot better if they could finish some of their actual blitzes or pass rushes on the quarterback. But that felt like progress for me. Plus, Greg Stroman, your third string nickel cornerback, making a really nice interception on a dig route over the middle of the field, reading it the whole way, stepping in front of it, making the play. Maybe that was Sam Howell trying to do a little bit too much for his offense, but cornerback still has to be there in the right place at the right time. Like, sure, maybe we're not as impressed if it's Jalen Johnson or whatever, but for it to be a third string cornerback to step in and make that play and see it the whole way, super impressed there. And then Terrell Smith, the rookie fifth round pick, ripping the ball out of Logan Thomas's hands. The Bears have been ripping at balls all season, but... This time they finally got it out, and then he falls on it too. Like, it's that kind of stuff that's finally starting to get there. Guys that are, you know, Stroman and, and Smith were not practicing with the starters throughout all the training camp of the preseason. They get in there with an injury, they're thrown into the fire. It takes a couple of games for these guys to really get comfortable hearing the calls, executing the calls, feeling like they belong going up against receivers like Terry McLaurin, like NFL wide receivers, and getting used to their teammates on the field. And you're starting to see the younger guys settle in a little bit more, despite all of the injuries and all the losing and all the adversity and everything going on around them there, you feel like guys are maybe starting to get it a little bit here and there can be a certain amount of sustainability from that. Doesn't mean they're going to start winning every game 40 to 20, but we're seeing that like, it wasn't just like, Oh, bad Broncos team. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a great commander's defense. I think we're, we may have overrated the commander's defense. I think there might be worse than people were giving them credit for, but like that commander's team has hung in there with some good teams this season. Like they're, this is not a this is not a bottom of the NFL Commanders team by any means. That the Chicago Bears win in and beat. So there's so you, I think it's legit. I think it's fair to actually take a little confidence and say, okay, Minnesota next week, maybe that's a winnable game. Like that should be a win. I mean, that's a game you can feel pretty good about. The Raiders after that should feel pretty good about it. Like I'm not predicting a, a three game Chicago Bears winning streak, but like those are both winnable games. And all of a sudden, you could be three and four. I mean, again, I don't think it's going to quite go that way. I mean, you never know. But, like, that's the kind of conversation we can start to have as long as the team can try and get a little healthier with this 10-day break. The injuries keep mounting. And they all seem to be mounting at the same few positions. So we'll check in on what's going on at running back, rotation at the offensive line. And now, of course, the secondary has been injured all season. 
next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control over whether you're going to win or lose. With Prize Picks, they set a projection for players. And then you decide, will that player do better or worse than their Prize Picks projection? You pick 2 to 6 players and if you get your picks right, can win up to 25 times your money. Uh, one of our Locked On Podcast Network hosts, Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals, had the prize picks projections above receiving yards for DJ Moore, above receiving yards for Logan Thomas, and I believe he had above receptions for both of those guys. Nailed his prize picks wager and made over $500 on not a very big wager <laughs> on those bids, on, on his prize picks play. So right now, PrizePix is going to give you a first deposit match up to $100. When you go to prizepix.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL. Again, that's a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepix.com slash locked on NFL. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. It wasn't made easy for the Chicago Bears when all of your running backs are injured or inactive and even your backup cornerback gets hurt. So you're onto your third string cornerback and your center gets hurt. So you're moving guys around. You're getting a third string left guard in there. Your Tevin Jenkins is trying to rotate back in, but not ready to do every snap in this game. It was messy. I mean, it's fair to say messy in the injury situation. And it's so weird to me that like all of the Chicago bears injuries have been happening at the same couple of positions. You know, like through the first four weeks and now entering this one, week five, like the Bears have had Jalen Johnson go in and out with injuries, missed this game, of course. Tyreek Stevenson has left multiple games with injuries, but has finished, I think. And though he didn't finish the game against the Chiefs, but has has played in every game and has finished most of the games, but he's gone in and out with injury. Kyler Gordon on injured reserve. We don't know when he'll be back. Josh Blackwell, the backup slot cornerback on injured reserve. We don't know when he'll be back. So you're down to a bunch of backups at cornerback, plus Eddie Jackson's missed the last couple games at safety. You've got two starters on your back five in the secondary, and even those guys have left games with injuries before. There were snaps where all five of your defensive backs were backups. And it's like, you think like, if the Bears were, if it was like a practice issue or the Bears were pushing guys too hard, you would see it at a bunch of different positions. But like, haven't really seen linebackers go down during games. Haven't seen defense. All, the whole defensive line is as healthy as can be. And yet, for some reason, it's always the DBs that have been hurt. And on offense, right? It's the same conversation. Offensive line. Braxton Jones on injured reserve. Lucas Patrick's now out. Of course, Nate Davis has been in and out of the lineup here. Like there, It seems to all be happening at that same spot. Whereas the wide receivers, I mean, hardly, no, no, no. I guess Darlin Mooney had a brief injury situation, but mostly healthy at wide receiver. Tight ends have been fine. Running backs had been fine until this game. When again, injury bug hits Everybody at the same position. Roshan Johnson leaves with a concussion. Uh, Dar Khalil Herbert leaves with an, I think they call, I don't know if they called it an ankle injury. It was like his ankle or his leg. You can see it bending very awkwardly un underneath him. And then your third string running back, Travis Homer, hurt his hamstring on special teams. So all you had was Kari Blasing game, your fullback. He had three career carries entering this game and carried eight times in this game for 26 yards. Like, he almost tripled 
his career carries total in this game because he was the only running back body they had to put back there. I was curious if they were going to put Valus Jones back at running back. I think that would be an interesting, like, Cordero Patterson-like career move for him. And I still wonder if maybe down the line, you know, four or five years from now, if his career lasts that long, if that could be a, a move for him, easier way to get the ball in his hands and not have to be a good route runner, but separate conversation there. But again, why is it all at running back? Like it, To me, it, it feels like it's all just kind of a luck thing. It just happens to be that way. Right? It's not like all the guys are suffering the same kind of injury. Right? It's not even all soft tissue. You know, A concussion here from a big hit, an ankle is kind of a fluke route where he steps back and twists it funny. You know, It's just stuff like that where I don't think there's anything the trainers should do differently necessarily or that the coaching needs to do differently. It just happens to all be concentrated at these same positions. The fact that Herbert went back into the game and tried to run on the ankle and then clearly did not look good suggests then that it won't be a long-term injury. You know, if he was good enough to try it in a, back on the field, then unless he worsened it in those plays, which we don't, which we don't know, then presumably it's not going to be an IR situation. You know, like if he was good enough to even attempt it, then it can't be, in theory, shouldn't be that bad. It's still bad. Like he, may, he might even miss games, but like not going to be super, super bad there. Roshan Johnson with the concussion. Most players this season that have suffered a concussion have missed at least one game. We'll see. I mean, everybody's different. Every concussion's different. So we'll see if that's the case for Roshan. But at least at least at running back, you've been keeping Donta Foreman in bubble wrap behind the counter, you know, in, in the glass case locked in locked in there, untouched. So Donta, Dante Foreman can come into this next game and be your number one running back if you need him to. And I, I had still have some pretty good confidence in Foreman. So I'm glad you know, they've kept him around and have kept him under wrap so that next week, there's a good chance that either Herbert or Johnson isn't good to go, even with a 10-day break. And there's a chance both aren't good to go. So we'll see about Travis Homer too. But certainly I feel like Dante Foreman is the guy you can feel comfortable with at that spot. You hope Tevin Jenkins can play a full game next week after kind of getting his feet wet this week for the first time in a while. We'll see what happens with Lucas Patrick. But Cody Whitehair should probably be your long-term center anyway, even though he's having the snapping issues that he had before. But again, hasn't really been practicing at center. So maybe with some more time to practice at center again, get the snapping down a little bit more. Tevin Jenkins at left guard should be a good, solid upgrade there. We saw Jatari Carter struggle a bit rotating in at left guard, but he's been playing right guard all year, so that's hard to ask him to. Apparently he was warming up at left tackle as well as an option there. So it's just, there's a lot going on with this offensive line rotating around, but getting healthier with Tevin Jenkins returning and maybe a more ideal lineup with Jenkins and Whitehair on the interior there. Cornerback in the secondary you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for bodies here, right? I mean, they got Joan Williams, who they brought in in free agency, getting in there. And they, they also signed a safety, Deron Harmon, from the Ravens practice squad. And as an aside here, getting real tired of Elijah Hicks. You know, no, I mean, he just, he misses a lot of tackles. He was out of position in the end zone again. He hesitates too much. Like, it made sense when you had no better options. Like, he was your backup safety, and that's all you got. But I feel like this Duran Harmon signing was kind of like a, hey, Elijah. I mean, obviously they're injured, so they need depth anyway. But it's like, hey, Elijah, figure it out or we're putting the veteran in there and I'm ready to put the veteran in there. Doesn't mean we're giving up on Elijah Hicks as a player ever, but like he looks like a seventh round pick and that's not very good. And Duran Harmon is not a pro bowler. He's on a practice squad for a reason, but he's solid. Like He'll be fine. I think once he's up to speed, he should start in place of Eddie Jackson until Eddie Jackson is healthy. And then guys like Stevenson and Terrell Smith, you live with the ups and downs, the ups or turnovers that they've generated, the downs, you know, getting burned, almost flagged for well, flagged for pass interference that was called back, you know, on one of those like, that you kind of live with with the injuries. And you feel like those guys are going to keep getting better and good on Greg Stroman for getting a sack and an interception in this game. Like he's 
he's settling in a little bit. Revenge game against his former team, the Washington Commanders. So that was exciting to see as well. Hopefully the extended, you know, 10-day break or whatever it is until their next football game gives all these guys a little bit more chance to be healthy. It's this mini bye week. They can do some self-scouting as well and come into the Minnesota Vikings game next week ready to go and ready to start a win streak instead of a losing streak. We'll have plenty to break down from this game throughout next week before we start previewing the Vikings game as well. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Really appreciate all of our everydayers tuning in five days a week to get your daily Chicago Bears fix. We'll be back for you on Monday to get your week started just right. But enjoy your victory Friday, I guess. Carry that over into a victory weekend. And don't forget to bear down.